Hi, I'm Kathleen Hall, and this is the way I see it. And uh, my guest and partner during these podcasts is Dr. Jim Hickson. He's the medical director of the Mindful Living Network and the Stress Institute. Happens to be a board-certified gastroenterologist, and he's also a board-certified internist who's been loving and caring for patients for a long time. And he also happens to be my long-term partner, lover, and husband. So we've been through everything together, uh, sharing, you know, I, I deal more in the psychological and the spiritual, and he deals in the body. So it's kind of been, would you say, a mind-body relationship for a long time? Absolutely, and thanks for having me at this time. Or like you said, where science meets the soul, right? Exactly. So what we'd like to talk about tonight is in the middle of where we're living right now, which would be in July of 2020, is uh, the COVID as you well know, because of your practice, Jim, and being in the hospital. COVID deaths are through the roof. People are so anxious, afraid of another shutdown. Uh, Also, we are having riots, literally, whether it's Portland and Seattle and all over this country uh, right at this moment. Uh, We're waiting for another bill to be passed through Congress uh, for unemployment and supplemental income. Uh, when you turn on the news, I, I'm, I actually, as you, you know, I'm a stress expert and it stresses me out. Uh, people losing their housing because of, uh, you know, not being able to uh, be able to pay their payments. So it, it's really, really, um, it's really, really a challenging time it's in our history. I mean, again, I read about World War One, World War Two. I love, love, love history. Civil War and times of stress because I've always been fascinated, fascinated with resilience and the people that make it through tough times and the people that don't. Um, and so we're, we're in this for maybe even another year. So I, I was thinking of things that I know health wise in the mind and the body that are really antidotes and uh, to all of the stress that's been going on and also. Uh, something that has physical and psychological and spiritual effects on us, and that's kindness. Um, And kindness is infectious, it's contagious, and if there's any currency we need now as much as money and income for many of us, it's kindness uh, because of isolation, loneliness, and the way we're, we're feeling. And so I know we're dealing with a viral pandemic, but I really hope and pray that we can all start spreading a kindness pandemic and kind of have a kindness revolution Um, because everything seems upside down, but we can go back to the tenets of our our spiritual strength, tenets that are in every major religion. Uh, And now that we have the science, Jim, to talk about the different kinds of science things that we know back up this, And uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but I I always go back, when I get sideways, I always go back to what Cuomo said in April. This was the very beginning of the pandemic when he closed down New York. And uh, everyone was, you know, shell-shocked. And he looked into the camera and he said, I want everybody to know we don't know when this is going to end, what's going to happen in the future. But I promise you this, that... This COVID uh, virus and what is happening in our country and in our world will define your character. And it will define your character now, but you will look back on this time, a year from now, 
two years, ten years, however old you are, and you will remember how you reacted during this time of crisis. So uh, every time that I start to worry or get anxious or do something, I swear I keep thinking of remembering his face and him saying that and the tears streaming down my face. And I kept thinking, what do I want to remember? What kind of character do I want to show? And uh, what kept coming up uh, was kindness and compassion. So, um, and I started thinking about it. So a couple questions that I wanted to start out with, um, with you, Jim, is like, where do you think you learned about kindness? Was it, was it, you weren't that much of a church person, so I don't think it was the Baptist church. And it could have been. I don't know. I'm asking you. Or was it at home? Or was it a relative of yours? Or an animal? Or what do you think you you learned kindness as a little boy? Well, I was blessed at a time to live in a small community. And one of the things that I think I noticed as a child, and I reflect back on now, is in that smaller community, Mm -hmm. it seemed to be there was more caring, there was more kindness, and there was more love. Uh, I, that may be a function of just we knew everybody there, they knew us, That's right. and it, we had a more personal connection. As we get into bigger areas, more urban areas, sometimes we we f- lose that personal connection. So that's clearly one thing that I think and taught I'm, me I'm, kindness. And I'm sure with you, Hicks and Hardware and Supply, that you guys would sit there and people that came in, I'm sure you were your father's son, you probably smiled, hey, and even if you didn't know the person, I'm sure... You, as nice as you are, you were probably kind to everybody that came Well, in. we all had curiosity, too. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the parts, of I think, of kindness that we forget. It is. And that is when you say, uh, how are you today? We tend to pass that on and say, I'm good. Or you say, how are you feeling today? Or how's your day going? We pass that on as just a little gesture. We keep moving as we get on the elevator and hit the button. But uh, in, in earlier times, I think we stopped. We said, how's your day going today? And they'd say, oh, fair. And then you say, well, tell me about that. So you got more in-depth. Again, that's part of that caring and kindness. Also, we had seemed to have more time for each yes, other. Yes, that's something yeah. I think we forget about now is having time. I noticed that as a doctor. that One of the things people say is that and appreciate is the time you give them. We're all busy. We all live by appointments. So people come in and sometimes... I've heard this many times. That I feel like when I go to the doctor, they're just herding cattle. They're just pushing us through there. They don't really care. Mm-hmm. And so in my practice, I've tried over the years to give that time to listen. I think listening is as important as a prescription I give that patient. Oh, I and I think you. that's important. Uh, and that's, that's where kindness starts in my practice every day is right there. And I think that's important. People need that. Also, with kindness, we need to feel like we've been heard. And I think in these times of turmoil right now, when everybody's depressed, they're anxious, that we're angry, all array of emotions, we need to feel like we've been heard. And sometimes I think our reactions are a function of that. Nobody hears me. And thus, if you can be kind in that manner, it makes a huge difference. It's, so I think, it's interesting you would say that because look at the riots. And look at the protests. I think it's a culmination of people not be feeling heard. Do you know that they 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 feel disrespected, unheard, invisible? Yeah, that that yeah. really is cool. I, Thanks I for it, saying that. I think we hit a tipping point, and I think it's time we step back. And I go back to the people who are instigating uh, a lot of these marches and protests, and find out 
what do you want? What do you expect? Listening. And listen to what people, and both Be sides, kind. all sides need to listen. Because as we know, there's not a truth, but many truths. And also I think part of kindness is um, belonging. You know that when you're kind, when those people are in your examining room or wherever they are, the way you smile and how you're kind to, kind to them, I think they feel like they belong instead of feeling like a stranger. Absolutely, and, and, no question about yeah, that. And, and it, uh, the number one thing that um, we've studied, and I saw a study on this recently, like two weeks ago, the number one thing that people want is to feel like they belong. Isn't that interesting, especially now with COVID? Um, and where I would have to say, where did I first learn kindness? To be honest, in my family was so dysfunctional. I would have to say probably in my heart it would be animals. It would be dogs and cats because we had a lot of animals. Um, and I know that's sad that it's not, you know. And, and who do I remember anybody who was kind to me? And I would think that would be my Aunt Pat and Uncle John who were very kind people. He was a coach, and he coached and mentored people. And um, she was a nurse at a rural hospital and ran the night shift, uh, was absolutely beloved by everybody in the community. And they were both so kind to me. And I did. I felt like I belonged in their group, uh, in their family, um, and never felt like an outsider at all. And, and it does make you feel like you belong and that somebody understands you. And it gives you hope, too, that uh, no matter how despair you, despair you feel or whatever, how much despair... I think it gives you hope. Um, and, how, and you know, how would you say you see kindness in the world right now? Well, I think we lack kindness in the world right now. And it's, uh, it starts at home with each and every one of us. And I think one of those reasons, and it's not an excuse, it's an observation that applies to all of us, is we all get so busy in our own lives that we don't make time to be kind. And it's, it's no excuse for it. It's the simplest and easiest thing to do. When we're kinder, we feel better about ourselves, we feel better about others, we're more optimistic, we're more hopeful, and beyond that, we're also happier. So I think that's just critical. And what I wanted to do, um, I want to ask you, because I know there's some, you know, many physiological and health benefits to being kind, but um, I read the other day, my favorite book, I read it every day, is A Daily Dose of Sanity by Alan Cohen. And um, he has a little piece on here called No Kindness Too Small. And um, when I read this, tears streamed down my face, and I sent this to my hairdresser and told him that this, this was what he was to me. So let me read this really short piece right here about kindness. Hairdresser David Wagner had a client who came to him regularly. One day this woman, who was young and attractive, with a life apparently working very smoothly, phoned him in between her regular engagements and asked David if he would style her hair that afternoon, since she had an important appointment very soon. David kindly fit her into his busy schedule, and when she came, he gave her his usual thoughtful attention, laughing with her, touching her kindly, smiling, telling her how great she looked and how much he loved the new hairstyle he had just done on her. A few days later, David received a thank you note from the woman with a shocking revelation. The appointment she had mentioned had been for her own funeral. She had planned to commit suicide that evening, and she wanted to look good when she was found. But, she told David, 
When you were so kind and loving and attentive to me, I changed my mind and I decided that life was worth living. Can you imagine David's shock upon receiving that news and acknowledgement? This striking experience caused him to rethink his business and his purpose as a hairstylist. He realized he had the potential to change his clients' lives in far deeper ways than styling their hair. David realized that he could literally make their day and change their lives. So he redefined his profession as, I'm a day maker, and his career has never been the same since. Now, as owner of Jute Salon Spa, a network of health and beauty salons across America, David has trained his entire staff to be day makers, serving approximately 4,000 clients per day. Consider how much better a place in the world is for his staff regarding the client's appointments as opportunity, opportunities excuse me, to make somebody else's day. You, too can redefine your profession, your career, and purpose in life as a daymaker. You never know how far one act of kindness might go. How might you upgrade your career by claiming your purpose to be kind? So that is one of his daily inspirational sayings. And I, like I said, I copied it, sent it to my hairdresser, and um, told him it reminded me of him because no matter how sideways I get in life, I've been going to Emory for years. But that is how he has pulled me without knowing it out of decisions I would have made, marriage problems, my kids, economic things I've been challenged with. But I love him because he is so kind and optimistic. And he got back to me and he was actually crying himself because... He uh, didn't know that he was actually, quote, a day maker, too. Um, and and I, I think that story got me, because I know you know this, Jim, when I had my traumatic brain injury, and uh, my memory was gone, and I was having seizures, and, you know, I had no bladder control and, and diapers, and I, my life was had fallen totally apart. And, um, and I'd been the self-sufficient, energetic, smart, you know, you know, everything that I was and my whole life I felt was over. So I'll never forget this. I was uh, on Peachtree Road at Far Road and I was seriously so depressed. I was thinking about jumping in front of a car, especially a Marta bus, as it was coming by. And I thought it'll be over. People will think it's an accident. Get it? So I won't overdose with any pills or I won't do anything that way. But if I do it this way, then they'll think it's an accident. And at least my suffering will be over. I was acutely depressed, very depressed. And um, I sat there and thought about it and thought about it. Five minutes went by, 10 minutes went by. And then all of a sudden, this uh, maybe 18, 17-year-old young man, beautiful, black, African-American, beautiful child, came up, tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, are you okay? And I said, what? And it just snapped me out of my depression. I I mean, the fog I was in. I said, pardon me? And he said, yes. He said, uh, yeah, he said, see my old jalopy over there? And it was like an old Fiat that was like 30 years old. It was like, it was, it was pink and everything else. And, uh, and he said, I drove by and I saw you. And he said, so, but I got this funny feeling. So I drove around the block and he said, I came back and you even looked funnier. And I thought, what is, she's going to do something. Something's wrong. And then he said, I drove around the third time and he said, I couldn't help myself. So I put my flashers on. He pointed to his car over there. And he said, I just want to know if you're okay. He said, why do, do you want to go have a cup of coffee or something? 
and I burst out crying, literally burst out crying, and um, walked over to him. He parked his car over where our apartment was, which was right there on the far road, and we went to Starbucks, and I cried, and I will never forget the kindness. That man maybe saved my life. I'm not kidding. That young boy. And he was the kindest. And I said, how did you stop? Why did you do that? And he said, my heart just opened. And I said, you were the kindest person that ever lived. I said, I don't know what's in front of me, my life, but I will never forget you. And I know that God sent you to save me with your kindness. So just like the hairdresser with that woman, going, it brought back my life story of I was in the darkest place of my life and I really didn't want to be here. And that one act of kindness just completely turned my life around. And you remember what a dark, absolutely very dark time that was in our marriage and in our life, me just trying to survive. Um, but I wanted to talk about some benefits of kindness, some uh, ones that probably everybody always knows, uh, that whether you receive it or give kindness, you actually produce oxytocin, which is a love hormone, which makes you, you know, happy, creates optimism, high self-esteem. Also, when you're kind, you have a feeling of strength and energy, and it makes you feel calmer, you have higher self-worth. Um, and people that are really kind... And also give money, like even if you're putting it in a Salvation Army bucket or you're handing somebody who looks like they're down in the dumps a $10 bill or whatever you do, you actually have fewer aches and pains. Your pain level is um, less. So, I mean, higher, less, whatever, you have less pain. And um, it does decrease all the pain, uh, most of the pain in your body. Also, stress. Uh, it's it's less in people. It's 23% less in people that are kind. And they show that by measuring the stress hormone cortisol. Um, depression is reduced. And I think you know a lot of other, uh, Jim, I think that you can cite some other medical positives Absolutely. that kindness have. Absolutely. I think just to, to expound on what you said, that we know that uh, that. Spreading kindness helps others feel better about themselves. No question, it boosts health and happiness, and we'll talk about that. But it's also boosts our health and happiness, so it's a win-win for everybody. One of the things you talked about, I mentioned, I believe, earlier, was the helper's high, and that is when you help others, you also produce a flood of chemicals in your own body, the oxytocin, uh, which helps produce nitrous oxide that dilates vessels, it makes you lower your blood pressure and you feel better and you're calmer. One of the things also is that uh, being being kinder, not only studies help show we live longer, but we live happier. And I think the, that is one of the tenets of kindness is happiness. It, we get happier and others get happy. And you know when you're happy, you have less depression. You, you're more optimistic. Yeah. Uh, you want to do for others. So... It seems also to reduce your risk for cognitive impairment. And those of us that are living longer, we want to live longer independently and healthier. And cognitive impairment is something that we're all going to face, uh, God forbid, an earlier disease. And this is important. So if we're kinder, we're happier, less cognitive impairment. One of the other studies showed that for people that give versus receive, it's very interesting. It is a study where people gave just a small amount of money. You take $40 and spend it on yourself or you spend it on others. Then they measured your blood pressure uh, throughout the six-week study period, and they then saw 
how that reflected on, on your own being. And it showed that it lowered your blood pressure far more for those that gave money to others than that spent money on themselves. Hmm. The second thing it did, it showed it lowered the blood pressure as much as those people as were not in the study but went on a really aggressive diet and exercise program really? for six weeks. So that's wow. a big deal. Hmm. You touched on the pain reduction aspect as you produce these uh, good chemicals in our body because we know we're just chemical soup. It does change the pain receptors and we have far less pain in our bodies. The happiness we talked about just goes on and on and on and on throughout life and gets more and more and more. And it's also what we talked about, it's those random acts of kindness you talked about. That young man doing something for you at a critical time in your life, for whatever made him do that or made him show up in your life, miracle, whatever you want to call it, was a random act of kindness that he did for just because he, he had love and kindness in his heart. And I think that is so, so important. Well, and I think, it's, I think it ties back to, I think, what you had said, too, is kindness is involved with curiosity. He, was, he saw something was wrong, and he was curious. You know, and not curious, you know, racing to work, because I made him late for work. I mean, he could have lost his job. But there's this amazing energy, isn't it, when yes. people are kind like yes. that? It does help you slow down, too. And yes. I think that's yes. important for us, that we're busy, we're rushing. Yeah. For someone like a doctor myself, I'm always living by a schedule. So, uh, and I said, I've got to get keep, keep on time, keep going. But I think it does help you slow down, take a deep breath, push back a little bit, and reflect. And, and that's good for my Well, well and I want to throw this in. Others. Yeah, recently I went to his hospital and uh, did a presentation on stress. And the head of nursing, the, all these people, all these nurses and technicians and all kinds of other people kept flooded me, came up and said that uh, you, Jim, were one of the kindest people they'd ever met. And a doctor, friend, husband, didn't matter who they had ever known. And, um, and they love him. I saw women actually had tear up, cry, say how much they loved Jim and his kindness through your whole lifetime of serving them and serving patients. And um, and you've touched so many lives. That's what they kept saying over and over again. Yeah, you're brilliant. You have great medical knowledge. But all they kept talking about was your kindness. And um, I drove home from there, from that hospital, and spent that hour in the car just thinking about you. And I know you're kind at home with the girls and in our life and with people. But I just never realized how infectious and how many lives you've changed not just with your patients, but the people you've worked with all these years. So it was really moving. And when we did this, decided to do this piece on kindness right now as a new kindness revolution or a kindness pandemic, I couldn't help but think of your whole life. I think you made a good point there as we talked about. You said the kindness pandemic, that that implies that it spreads. And I think what you said, that kindness is infectious. Mm -hmm. If I'm kind to someone, then they see that. They're kind to someone. It just goes on and on and on. It expands exponentially. And I think you touched also on on a very important thing, and you mentioned this in your book, A Life in Balance, that one of the the four roots of of happiness and love and and a a productive, healthy life is love. And And that love is community and a sense of belonging. He talked about that. Mm -hmm. And that is as important as 
exercise, diet, uh, meditation, right. all the other tenets you talked about is this sense of community is critical for all of us. And it just is important beyond words. Yeah, and so um, what I'd like to talk about for just a couple minutes before we head out is maybe some simple things that you and I have experienced that are kind of some tips. And I think one of the biggest ones that I have noticed is um, something as simple as compliments. When you're in a grocery store line, when you're at a gas station, when you go shopping somewhere, I don't care where you are, if somebody has a bow in their hair, if they've got a pair of shoes on, I don't care if they're not the greatest thing you've ever loved, just go, I love those blue shoes. Or, and be sincere about it. I'm not talking about being fake and finding stuff. But there is always something you can compliment somebody about. Um, it, may change, it may change their day, like that child in the car stopping and saving my life. You don't know. You may find somebody at the grocery store who I went the other day during these times, you know, I, I try not to go very much to the grocery store, but there I was at Publix, and I was in a really, again, I was having some issues, because um, I do, as you well know, struggle with depression sometimes, and I was feeling sideways. And I went, and I couldn't reach the yogurt. And so this beautiful woman came up behind me, and she said, you know what? She said, I am very blessed because I'm tall. She said, could I get that yogurt for you? And here we are in the pandemic, six foot apart and whatever. And she walks up to me. I moved aside. And she got, said, do you want mango? And I said, yeah, that's what I wanted. She got the mango down, handed it to me. And she said, is there anything else you need in this store that's up on the top shelf? She said, I'll walk with you and get it for you. And I, because I have the short syndrome, I'm not tall at all. And I looked at her and I just teared up and I said, you are the kindest woman. And she said, oh, she said, you know, being a tall, especially a tall woman, sometimes it's an asset. And she said, listen, I'll be here for a few minutes. So if you need anything else, you just find me on one of these aisles. And she walked off and I sat there and had tears streaming down my face. And I know that may not seem like much. But it, 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 again, that kindness changed everything. I got in the car, turned up the music, uh, you know, played some Diana Ross on the way home, and everything kind of swamped in that one thing. So please don't ever underestimate what kindness can do. Also, um, pay compliments. Do you remember when Brittany was at Georgetown and we used to go up there and go to DuPont Circle? There was a guy there called Compliment Man. Do you remember yeah, that? Absolutely, I remember. And Compliment Man would give people compliments. So you'd go by and he'd go, hey, Dr. Trixon, I like that Sunday at shirt. You'd go, uh, you didn't even forget what you had on and go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's okay. And that's what he was known as in the Washington Post and everybody who was around the White House, everybody knew Compliment Man. And I loved that, that this man, he was a homeless guy that lived on the streets and he was called Compliment Man. He changed people's lives. I said, Brittany and I would sit in the park and watch him and watch somebody be serious going to court or serious going to the White House or serious. And he'd say a compliment and you'd watch their whole face and their whole energy change. Uh, they put their phone in their pocket instead of looking at it or reading it. So please never underestimate a compliment. Uh, smile. Uh, I learned that, I think, especially from my mother smiled all the time. But the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, Jimmy Carter, these were all mentors and professors of mine at Emory. And they really believe that smiling is a spiritual practice and it's a health practice. That you smile because it does, if you think about it, if you're walking down the mall, walking down a street and somebody smiles at you, you can't help but mirror it, right? Absolutely. I mean, you can't help it. Um, 
and and donate as you talked about thank you for saying that it's really important to donate whatever another thing that i think is really really important is if you possibly can uh foster or rescue an animal you have no idea the lives that will be changed i ran a uh, and created a big foster and a rescue operation and when i begged people to foster just for a few days an animal and you were there of course with me um did, did their lives not totally change just by caring for something else? Yeah, it really made the difference. It really made the difference. And we developed a community. We all got very close. And I think you said this so profoundly, Jim. Don't just hear, listen. Listen deeply. When you listen to somebody, you're giving them the grace of God. You're, you're showing them reverent respect by listening to them. And, and we just have turned into a world of non-listeners. We send, send, everything send. Everybody's busy listening to music or listening to whatever. Please, please, please learn to deeply listen. Uh, when my spiritual, um, you know, when, in, in my spiritual director training, we spent a whole year, believe it or not, just listening. I mean, our training, it was unbelievable. They said, if you learn one thing out of this certification or out of this training, it's got to be to listen. And, um, you know, help your neighbors out. Most people don't know their neighbors. We're lucky that we live in a neighborhood, gym where we do. We get to know neighbors, and when I see something funny or I'll go up and ask him or leave a note on the door or I text him, I always keep, as, as he knows, I keep uh, soup. I keep uh, eight-ounce soup servings frozen in the freezer with, with uh, chunks of bread. And when somebody's sick, when I see somebody that I think is acting funny, I keep, a, as you well know, gift bags. I keep a whole box of gift bags, and I'll take that gift bag, and I'll put a chunk of bread in it, and I put a, a, a little container of soup in it and maybe a couple cookies in a Ziploc bag, and I write a little note to Margaret or whomever it is and take it over and leave it on her front porch. It's just a wonderful, it makes you feel good, and every time I've ever done it, no matter what's happened, um, the joy that the person feels when they receive it, um, how did you know I didn't feel good? Or you wouldn't believe what that made me think of, that in this busy world you thought of me. So there's all kinds of ways to be kind. And I think last but not least, which I'm guilty of, is traffic, commuting and being in traffic. I'm a nasty, nasty oh, traffic. I'm a nasty little traffic girl. And we have to shift from being competitive, like who's going to merge, who's not going to merge. I'm not going to let you in in front of me. Try that as an act of kindness. And that's a real tough one. I'm I'm guilty as charged for me, especially. But I know when I do it, when I spend one day letting people in, I know I feel better about myself. And I go, why? It makes me reflect on why am I so aggressive when I drive? See, but when you're kind, it makes you be introspective. Like, why don't I do this more often? And I've often said sometimes, you know, we talk about I, I commute a lot. So it's, uh, I'm, you know, as I said, I live by schedule. So I'm in a hurry. I'm late. And what you realize that... Uh, Going five miles an hour faster doesn't in a, in a commute doesn't really change how much sooner you get there in a significant manner. And so, if you just slow up a little bit, again, being kinder to yourself, it makes such a big deal. And I think we have to learn to do that. And we're we're the more we do that, the better we are. I think one of the other things too is in these times of the COVID crisis, especially. We're dealing with this. It's not going away. It's going to slowly go away. It's not going to be a miraculous turn-on, turn-off situation. So we've all got to cope with it. We're all lonely. We're isolated. 
Uh, we are not in community like we were. Fear, so too. I think fear, uh, I, I fear. anxiety, exactly. anxiety, depression. We have, we have so a daughter. We, yeah. One of our daughters is a frontline worker. She's a critical care doctor working in five ICUs. Um, the night shift. Uh, she's got a newborn baby. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. So we, we, I cry a lot. I freak out. Kindness, and then the first thing I think of is Jim and I talk about this. Is what can we do kind for? Her, don't we? Absolutely. Say, what, what can we do? And I think this passes over to all of us, and I certainly see it in my practice. We've got to be kind to each other. That helps us all get through this better. It, get, it strengthens not only my coping mechanisms better, but it strengthens the person I'm being kind to, and that's important. I think one of the other things that's really critical is that we need to be more mindful. As we're more mindful, we tend to be kinder and never forget being mindful and mindfulness is a critical part of our lives we should find ways to be more mindful and i think we'll be kinder and thank you for leading into my close which is we are at the mindful living network so you can find articles on kindness and every other way to live a better life and it, you can go to mindfullivingnetwork.com or the short uh, version of that is o u r our MLN.com, OurMLN.com, either one of those. If you have any ideas for programming, want to be interviewed, anything, you can contact me at info at MindfulLivingNetwork.com, and I will get back to you. Um, and again, we also have the Stress Institute. If you want stress tips, StressInstitute.com. What I want you to know is we are here on the long term to help or aid or assist or serve you um, and serve our world in some capacity, whether it's, uh, like we say, our marriage is where science meets the soul. So if it's in some medical capacity or in some spiritual capacity, we, we want the world to know that the more mindful we are beyond borders, beyond pandemics, beyond political divides, beyond blue and red, beyond black and white and yellow and red skin, whatever it is, we have got to be mindful be kind, and have reverent respect for each other. So thank you for joining us. Um, thanks, Jim. And thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. I always enjoy doing these with you, and we'll tackle another loving, kind, mindful issue next time. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you very much.